0: and love, and that will transition us into the one name as a church, and organizationally we will officially, uh, we believe, be merged. That's what we're pressing in and praying for, and uh, Pastor Sam so graciously has been willing to be a a vehicle and a a vessel of that blessing, Uh, and I'm here, of course, submitted and yielded to him as my pastor and, uh, and leading us in this awesome process. I can remember being at prep school and having probably the meanest man I had ever met come and take our car keys. His name was Captain Barshinger. The dude was a ranger, had been in the war, literally was a paratrooper. So When that guy takes your car keys, you don't really you know, do much other than just say, okay, here you go, sir. About five or ten minutes later, I worked up the courage to go back in to Captain Barshinger and ask him to give me those keys back, right? And his statement to me was, hey, Trent, I am a father, and I understand what fatherly love looks like. And as a father, I'm going to release this to you and bless you. We took a weekend trip just out of that faith to go in and trust the heart of the Father. Well, this morning, sharing with us is the heart of a man that can tell you what it means to leave a godly legacy. He's going to pull out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, some very godly examples of what it means to give a sacrifice to God and live a life full of faith. So as Pastor Sam comes up, Let's push into our one campaign. We've got our soft launch October the 7th. That's going to be on site. All our team, we're inviting to be there. And anybody that's been a part of the church, invited to be there October the 14th. We're not going to close doors on anybody October the 7th. But October the 14th is our advertising public launch day. Okay, we're going to push that there then. And that's the time I encourage you to invite your friends, people that don't know Jesus, and we're going to pull off an awesome service. So let's have Pastor Sam come up here, uh, is, is, uh, invite him, and y'all's hand claps to... To merge and meet here. you, Trent. Now I want to pray a prayer as as I push off platform here and as we believe God for great things. Lord, we thank you for your awesome ways, God. We thank you that you never leave or forsake us. As we journey, God, we pray that you guide us through revelation in Rhema. God, speak to us in ways where we, we feel your peace. And when we read your word, we know that it's you leading us. And when we lay our head down at night, God, and when we, when we dream that maybe it's you impacting our mind through the leading of your Holy Spirit to have us do great things in the name of Jesus. Do that for your people here today, God. Give them a sense of your peace so that they know you have spoken to them through Pastor Sam. God, I'll lift this amazing man up before you, someone who has endured an attack of this fallen world that we live in and... And yet God is an example of healing, is an example of faith, an example of, of being loving and faithful. So bless him as he shares us and ble- shares with us and bless him as we transition uh, there to facilities at uh, 3737 First Street Northeast. God, we know that is sacred ground that you have used in the past through Northeast Park and your people gathered under the name of Jesus to transform lives. So God, we pray you continue to do that with power. Mm. Establish through us, God, a legacy that is worth leaving behind, that all of eternity can celebrate a legacy in the name of Jesus, we pray.
1: Amen. Amen. Wow. What a wonderful time of worship. What a privilege to be here with you. I guess I didn't even think about it. I mean, I knew this was your last Sunday at Meadowlawn. And this is the place you launched from, correct? So your whole life as a church family has been right here. And that ends today. That's amazing. That's kind of scary to think about in a way. I couldn't come up, I couldn't decide between two analogies. Is it really like birthing a baby and the baby's been in the womb and now it's coming out? But you've been out in the world making a difference. So maybe it's like, I I don't know, moving out of mama's house and out on your own. But you won't be on your own. We'll be with you. So I really can't come up with a good analogy of it, except it is an exciting time in the life of the church. I know That you've had wonderful times here. And part of your legacy that will echo through eternity is what you experience in these halls. What the government built to educate our children, you have used to glorify the Lord. And amen to that, indeed. We're excited to have you next Sunday at Northeast Park. Already had a wonderful opportunity to meet so many on the team and uh, wonderful people that you have serving and working look forward to meeting the rest of you in the days ahead. If you have trouble understanding me, there's two reasons for that. One, I was raised in the South, and I taught Southern. I don't know any other language but Southern. And on top of that, I had tongue surgery about nine years ago, and they removed a third of my tongue. So if you sit on the front row, you might get a little spit on you. (laughs) Can't help it, brother. It's the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. So a third of my tongue's missing, and I'm Southern. So I just pray that you'll be able to understand and you'll be patient with me uh, as we go through this morning. It's been just a joy to get to know Trent, and especially Holly. (laughs) And I can say that because everybody that knows Lisa and me says the same thing about us. But it really has been such a joy to get to know both of them. And even the kids, you know, uh, three of their children are in the Northeast Park preschool. They're there five days a week. And what a joy they are to their teachers, brother. (laughs) It's been a pleasure to walk the halls and see those children and to see your children. Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, man, your child looks just like you? I used to hate it when people would tell my son that. I thought, man, he looks a whole lot better than I ever did. But we say that. Maybe you go see a baby in the hospital or when it first comes home or you meet a family and you see their children and, and you say, oh, man, I can see their family resemblance. Your child looks just like you. And you know what? Sometimes, often, it's actually true. We grow up to look like our parents or, or maybe our grandparents. I was told when I was looking for a wife, Don't look at her mother, look at her grandmother. One of her grandmothers is what your wife will look like later on in life. And you know what, it's true, at least in our case. And so I've looked through the years. It's amazing how often that happens. Something passes down from one generation to the next. It even impacts the way we look outwardly to the world. You know what I think? I think it impacts us inwardly also. You don't even have to know who your mom or dad was, but you've got a lot of them in you. In fact, you've got all your DNA. Half of it came from your mom, and half of it came from your dad. And there's nothing any of us can do about that. In some cases, we rejoice, and some we don't. But the truth of the matter is, you are, at least in the beginning, a product of your parents. I know some of us in the room are too young to think about it, but I want to talk today about legacy, and legacy is what are you going to pass on to the next generation. Now there are many, many people that come before me that have spoken into my life when I was a child, when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult, as an adult even today, people who speak into my life, and when they die, what they've said will continue to live in my memory, in my mind, and even impact the way I live my life every day. What are you leaving behind? I don't mean when you leave this place. Hopefully, great memories, good relationships with some of the staff, a lot of victories that you've seen Jesus bring in people's lives. I mean, what are you going to leave behind when it's your time to leave this earth? Oh, isn't that something? My first time to really talk to you, and I'm going to talk about death. Not not really, but we are going to die sometime. It may be today. It may be tomorrow. I know some of us in the room are a little older. Maybe we've even contemplate I told my wife the other day, this thought just came to me out of the air. I said, I want to live 30 more years. Amen. And the reason is I want to see my son reach his 50th birthday. I thought that'd be cool. So just last week, I set a goal to live till I'm 84 years old. Now I have no control over that. And I may get in my 70s and say, Lord, this is enough. Take me now. I don't know. But when I'm gone, what will I have left behind? There's an interesting verse in the Bible, and it's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Let me share that verse with you. You have it on your screen. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. i see. what, well, I'm going to read your translation. It was by faith that Abel obeyed God and brought an offering that pleased God more than Cain's offering did, God accepted Abel and proved it by accepting his gift. And though Abel is long dead, look at that. Though Abel is long dead, we can still learn lessons from him about trusting God. Let me read that last part out of a different translation. Though he is dead, he still speaks through this, his actions and his offering that he gave to God. You know, intentionally or not, each of us is going to leave something behind when it's our time to go. Then maybe we're way too young. We're just trying to figure out who we are and what we're going to do with our life to even begin to think about what we're going to leave someday when we die. But let me tell you something. And this is a statement. Do you take notes, I encourage you to do so. Here's a statement, and I'm just going to say it the way we said it in the mountains, and then I'll give you the proper way to say it. In the mountains, we would say it this way. If you'll live now like most people ain't, you'll be able to live later like most people can't. If you'll live now like most people will not, you'll be able to live later like most people cannot. Talking about thinking now about the legacy your life is going to leave behind. Others are going to come after you. You may have kids. You may have family. You have a faith family. You're going to have co-workers, friends along the way. You're going to have a community and a church in which you live and function and work. What are you leaving behind? What are you going to pass on to those who come after you? Because that will be your legacy. Here's the interesting thing. You get to write your legacy while you're still living. You get to invest in you and in others in such a way that what you pass on, you determine while you're still alive. That which you pass down will be your legacy. So what are you passing down to generations that will come after you? Or the others that you're dealing with and trying to bring to the Lord and then disciple them. What is your legacy? Here's something this verse tells us. You do not stop having an impact just because this physical body dies. See, the Bible says that Abel, though dead, is still speaking. And here we are thousands of years after the writer of Hebrews wrote this book. And Abel is speaking to you and me today. He's teaching us. I'm going to give you three words about how to have a legacy that's important, that's eternal, that has value in the eyes of Jesus, the kind of legacy that all of us who walk with him should want to have and how to have that kind of legacy so that we really do impact those in a positive way that come after us. You will keep speaking. Your life will keep talking even after you're dead. Let me give you an example. When I first came to Northeast Park, One of our elder members was in the VA hospital. He was sick, not doing well at all. I didn't know anybody. I was brand new. I didn't know the man that was in the hospital. I just knew I needed to go see him. So one of our deacons, one of the oldest men in our church, called me up. He said, Pastor Sam, if you want to go see Brother So-and-So, I'll ride with you and introduce you when we get there. I thought, great. Somebody kind of paved the way. So Little Bob, we called him. There were two or three Bobs in the church, and Little Bob was little, tiny little petite man. Uh, He died about two months ago. Just a great, great individual. But here's what happened. He came to my office. We got in my car from Northeast Park out to the VA. It was a nice long ride. Here's what I discovered about Bob. Bob loved to talk about Bob. He loved to tell stories from his past. Now, this was actually a good thing because Bob had some incredible stories the time he got saved down on the pier, two or three piers ago, the time he was in the Merchant Marines during the war and, and his ship got hit and it was taken on water and the bilge pumps weren't working and he dove down between the hulls somehow and he found a pair of dungarees caught in the bilge pump uh, intake. So he had to pull them out and he saved the ship. Bob has some incredible stories but Bob didn't know when to Stop. (laughs) From when we got in the car, we parked at the VA, we went in the lobby, we asked for the room, we went up the elevator, down the hall. Bob did not stop talking till we walked in the man's room. I wondered, am I going to get to even talk to the man I'm coming to visit? But Bob, as soon as we walked in the room, Bob was quiet. He made the introduction, and he stood still the whole time. I thought, that's all I have to do. I have to take Bob to the hospital room. He won't say a word. <laughs> I thought, thankfully, you know, this visit, it, it broke Bob's story. Oh, no. <laughs> as soon, I'm not lying to you, as soon as we walked, isn't that a stupid thing for a pastor to say? I'm not lying to you. As soon as we walked out into the hall, he started right back up, didn't miss a beat. All the way down the hall, all the way down the elevator, all the way out to the parking lot got in the car on the way out to the VA, back on 22nd Avenue in the day right there at Highway 19. There used to be a Long John Silver's, if you remember that. I think it's a Starbucks now. We had passed that on the way to the VA, and he had paused just long enough to say, hey, let's have lunch there on the way back. I've lived here long enough now to know there are so many good seafood restaurants. (laughs) But at the time, I was the new guy, and he was going to pay. I was going to take him where he wanted to go. So we got in the car at the VA to leave. He's talking. He talked all the way back. I pulled in there at the Long John Silvers, and I parked. And here's what I thought. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to see how long Bob will talk before he wants to go in and order lunch. Forty-five minutes later. (laughs) Forty-five minutes later, I said, Bob, You want some lunch? (laughs) He never stopped talking. Bob, though, when he died, his stories died with him. But did they? Because he told me, he told others in our church family, told countless others in his extended family. Bob died physically. His body died a few weeks, months ago. But his impact, his legacy. Look, you've just heard about him today. Now, you don't know all about him, but he is passing on much. He has a wonderful legacy. Doesn't have a perfect family, doesn't have a perfect life, but he has an incredible legacy. He's making an impact. Even though dead, Bob, still speaks. The Bible says, even though dead, Abel, was still speaking. He spoke enough that the writer of Hebrews included him in chapter 11. Do you know what Hebrews chapter 11 is? Somebody said it. Hall of Fame of of Faith. Absolutely. We have the Football Hall of Fame, the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame, the Hockey Hall of Fame. Do they have a Soccer Hall of Fame yet? They'll have one. They've got a tennis hall of fame. They've got a hall of fame for everything. We even have a hall of fame of faith, and it's Hebrews chapter 11. These are the men and women of the Old Testament that the writer of Hebrews said were worthy to be included in a hall of fame of people with faith. So when we look at chapter 11, verse 4, we read of Cain and Abel. Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Now, the story of Cain and Abel, if you know it, That's almost as old as the story of creation itself. It's way back there at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 4. Cain came to God and he offered an offering of grain, something he had grown. You know, Cain's offering is actually the first recorded offering in the Bible. But God rejected Cain's offering, which makes it also the first rejected offering in the Bible. It's interesting that the first recorded offering is also the first rejected offering. God rejected Cain's offering because of the evil in Cain's heart. We see that in Genesis chapter 4. Abel's offering, though. Abel offered an animal from his flock. He killed an animal. He offered it to God. And God accepted Abel's offering. Did I get that backwards? Showing us that Abel's heart and life were pleasing to God. Now, it is true that Abel's offering foreshadowed the need of a sacrifice to pay for sin. And, of course, Jesus paid that sacrifice finally once and for all, for all of us, when he died on the cross. So God accepted Abel's. He rejected Cain's. And Cain, as you know, got mad. He got angry. So he did the only thing that made sense, killed his brother. Now, there were other options he had, but he took that one. He killed his brother. And today, what is Cain's legacy? How many parents did you know that named their boys Cain? I have never met one in my life because of what happened thousands of years ago and his legacy today. Cain got angry, killed Abel, which became the first murder recorded in the Bible. And then something unusual happened. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 10, God finds Cain and he says this to him. What have you done? And listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Abel was dead, but his blood was speaking to God. He was crying out because he had been murdered. Abel's blood continued to speak, though he was dead. His life also continued to speak. Beyond the events in Genesis, Abel's righteous offering still speaks to you and me today. We still learn from that story in Genesis and from the writer of Hebrews has in our verse for this morning. So this confirms when you die, your life does not stop speaking. You do not stop having an impact when you pass from this earth. Your legacy will continue. So what will you pass on? I want to take a moment and show you three words that this one verse tells us about. Abel. Three characteristics he had that are part of his legacy. And I believe with all my heart, if you want to be a happy follower of the Lord Jesus, you want to be blessed by him and see him do much in you, through you, and for you, then these three words need to be part of your life and mine as well. Real quickly, we'll look at all three. The first quality Abel had, the first word that describes his legacy, is Abel was faithful. He was faithful. (coughs) <coughs> verse 4 begins, look at verse 4, by faith Abel offered, or this translation, it was by faith that Abel obeyed God, by faith he did so. So what do we learn from that? We learn that Abel, like all the other people in Hebrews chapter 11, was a man of faith when it came to his relationship with God. What does that mean? What What is faith? Well, verse 1 tells us, thankfully, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof is what not seen. By faith, Abel offered, and faith is the reality of what we hope for. Man, I sure hope the bucks do well. That's one way of hoping. But faith is not that kind of hoping. Gee, I hope there's a God. I I hope he loves me. I hope he forgives me. I hope I get to go to heaven. That's not walking with Jesus at all. If you're hoping, you may not be saved. Because to know Jesus is to know It's a hope that is confirmed, that is sure, that is confident. Faith is the reality of what we hope for, the proof of what we don't even see. We don't see the wind. We see the result of the wind. We see the action caused by the wind. We don't see necessarily the spirit world all around us. I don't see heaven right now. I don't see Jesus at the right hand of the Father interceding for me and you and all his children I don't see the mansion he's preparing for me. By the way, mine's on a beautiful sea. It's got a dock, and there's a beautiful sailboat right down there. (laughs) By the way, as I get to know y'all, if any of you have a boat, (laughs) I'd like to minister with
2: you.
1: (laughs) Please keep that in mind. We don't see all the spiritual, but we believe it. We know it to be true. That's what faith is. It's not just hoping, it's knowing, it's trusting, it's believing. So we have a faith that is proven. We've experienced Jesus. If that's not enough, we have testimony from others that prove the faith that we hold dear. If that's not enough, we have those who've come before us that poured in our life. Their testimony, like little Bob's testimony, of what God had done in his life over and over and over again. And if that's not enough, we have the Hall of Fame of Faith. Just read this one chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, and learn from these people what it is to walk by faith in Jesus Christ. And if you get really interested in one, every one of these, their story is back over here in the Old Testament. Read it. Learn from it, and you will learn what it is to be faithful. As Jesus' disciples, we don't live by a blind faith. No, sir. We live by a sure, confident, proven faith. That's how Abel lived. As a faithful man, the Bible tells us, you and I must do the same. So let me ask you this. Are you a person of faith? Do you trust in the Lord? Do you believe in the Lord? Do you know that you know that you're saved and going to heaven? Is that something you're passing on to those that will come after you. I had people tell me before, well, pastor, I go to church. I sing. I teach a class. I take up the offer. I do all sorts of things. Friend, that's great. All those things are important. But that's not a relationship. That's religion. What kind of faith are you really passing on? Able had a faith that we're still reading about today. May your legacy and my legacy be one that shows we were faithful. The second word for you is obedient. As the verse continues, the writer says, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. In the Genesis account, listen, we have no record of any offering being given until Cain and Abel one day went and gave theirs. Who taught them to do that? Who told them they should? Now, people speculate that maybe after the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve gave offerings to God as part of their worship, but the Bible doesn't actually say that. That's just speculation. I mean, it makes sense. Maybe that's where they came from, but here we have two brothers doing something that the Bible doesn't record ever being done before, deciding on their own at about the same time to give an offering to God. And so they do so. Abel was obedient and his devotion and love for the Lord. He went out and he got his choicest animal out of his flock. That cost him something. It was highly valued. See, with Cain, he just took some wheat. He just took some grain. He just took some vegetables or whatever he'd grown, but he had plenty more just like it. But Abel took something he counted as costly. And he lost it as he gave it to the Lord. He didn't have it anymore. That was obedience. Let me ask you something. What have you done which will demonstrate to those who come after you that you were willing to be obedient to God no matter the cost? Now, I hope you have something you can think about. I have a son, he's 21, he's a senior at the University of Central Florida the national champs last year in football. I don't care what you think, they were the <laughs> national champs. They even put it up in their stadium. And by the way, yesterday when they blew Pitt out of Florida, they showed the stadium, and there it said at 2000-whatever national champs. I think I got off track there, but that's an important <laughs> point. My son's a senior over there at the national championship school, known as UCL. <laughs> We were married 11 years. Doctors told us we couldn't have kids. And then God said, I think you can. And we did. That's a little bit of an interesting story. I'll tell you since my wife's not here. I was in seminary at the time. Well, she loves to tell it. I'm the one that really doesn't like it when she says it sometimes. We were in seminary at the time. And a hurricane, just like recently, we were in Raleigh, North Carolina. And you hear of a hurricane hitting the beaches of North Carolina, you think, "Man, we're so far inland, what could possibly happen?" Well, we've seen recently what can happen. And when we were there that year, something very similar, not all the flooding, but high winds knocked down trees. We were without power for 11 days in the part of Raleigh where we live. We lived on a beautiful horse farm. Most seminary students live in terrible housing. We were blessed. This Lady had an old uh, mother, her old mother, lived on this horse farm. Nobody lived with her. And she had called the seminary to see if a seminary family, a couple, would like to live with her mother. So she'd have some company. All we had to do was prepare the evening meal. And so we said, sure, (laughs) we'll do that. So we lived with this dear lady. Well, the hurricane came through. And on the horse farm, our water came out of a well with an electric pump. With no electricity, we had no water for 11 days. It was kind of a tough time. If you've ever been somewhere where they brought in trucks and people stood in line just to get water, that was our life. But the power was out all over the city, all over that part of North Carolina. And here's a kind of funny thing. Nine months later, guess what happened at all the hospitals? I guess if you've got no power, no TV, and nothing else to do. Maybe it was the wind of the hurricane, maybe it was God, but we had a baby. Ours was about 10 months later. We were slow. (laughs) 21 years old today. Here's one thing my son will never have to doubt. Was his dad willing to be obedient to God even when it was costly? Almost 10 years ago, exactly 10 years ago this time of year, we were talking to the search team from Northeast Park Baptist Church. I was in Atlanta, served a church for eight, eight and a half years up there. We were happy. We had family. We had a beautiful home in a beautiful subdivision, and my son was going to a brand new high school the next year, actually two years later. He had friends. We would go places to eat in a little community in that northeast part of Atlanta where we live, and people would come up and talk to our son that we didn't know, but they knew him because of his sports acumen there in that community. My son and my wife had to sacrifice everything, so I could be obedient and come serve God at Northeast Park. I didn't want to come to St. Pete. In fact, I told the committee no, several times, and the final time I said no, I walked down the beautiful front porch of our beautiful home in our beautiful subdivision, and God said to me, "Boy, now that's how God talks to me, <laughs> boy." You have just stepped out of my will, and it is not going to go good for you. The next three days later, I was having lunch with one of my mentors. Remember, people that pour into you, their legacy? So I was having lunch with him. I said, listen, brother, here's what I said, and here's what God said to me. I don't know what to do. He said, there's only one thing you can do. Get on the phone and call them back and tell them you'll come. I'm embarrassed. I already told him no multiple times. I can't call him back and beg him for the job. He said, you better do it. I got back to the office after lunch. I called my contact on the search committee. I said, Steve, I know this sounds crazy, but if you'll have me, I have to be your pastor. I didn't say I wanted to be. I said, I have to be. He said, okay. They talked about it, and we ended up moving here. And it cost us everything. It costs us where our family lived, where our friends lived, the county we met in ninth grade, graduated from high school together, later got married. It cost my son and my wife more than it cost me. But here's one thing my son will never have to doubt. Was my dad willing to be obedient even when it cost everything? Have you ever done anything so those who come after you will know that you're willing to be obedient no matter the cost. Listen, if you have, tell them about it. I've seen too many parents eventually die, grandparents, great-grandparents, who had tremendous struggles early in their life. They had times when Jesus moved powerfully in their life, but they never told anybody about it. They never told the next generation how God had shown up when they were young and had been foolish and stupid or or God just showed up when they needed it. Dear God, friends, if you sacrificed for him, let the next generation see that example in you. Have they seen you be faithful? Have they seen you on your knees? Have they seen you reading the Bible? Have they seen you witnessing to friends and neighbors? Have they seen you active, worshiping the Lord and serving in his church? Have they seen you being faithful, and have they heard your stories of when you were obedient to God no matter the cost? See, to have a legacy like Abel and the other people in, these, in this chapter, you have to be a person that's faithful, and you have to be a person that's obedient. There's a third word, and this is the last one, and that's the word approved. See, I believe if you live faithfully and obediently, God will approve of you in your life. And that's what this verse says. I'm going to continue in this translation. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. By this, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. This says it just a little bit different. God accepted Abel and proved it by accepting his gifts. So the word there is Accepted. The word here is approved, similar meanings. Because of his faithfulness, because of his obedience, God approved of Abel as being a righteous man, and Abel's gifts were approved. What was it they used to put on the meat at the grocery store? Do they still do that stamp? USDA approved or something, prime meat. And they put a stamp on there. Do they still do that? Not as much, not as much. Well, maybe the meat's not as good. It's like God saying, Sam, I approve. You're not perfect. We both know that. But you've been faithful. You've been obedient. And you're trying your best to walk with me every day. I approve of your heart. I approve of your faith. I approve of your hope and trust in me. I approve of your obedience. Son, God says, I approve of you. How many in this audience would have given anything to hear a mom or a dad say, I approve. I'm happy with you. Maybe many missed that, never heard it. Well, I want you to hear today. If you're walking faithfully and obediently, best you can. Not perfect. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for progress. Are you maturing in your faith? Are you getting better at walking faithfully and obediently as the year goes by? Then I want you to hear today, God says, I approve of you. He doesn't just love you. He approves of you. He puts his stamp on you. And friend, that's something you can pass on. That's an example, of the next generation or your friends, your family, your co-workers, your neighbor, anybody in your life, they need to see that example today. Our world needs to see people living that are approved by God. What does it mean to be approved by God? It means you please them by doing what's right in His sight. If the circumstance requires trusting and walking by faith, then start walking and believing. Get to it. If the circumstances require you to wait and be still and be patient, then wait. Be still. Be patient. Don't strike out on your own. I can do this. I can figure this out. If God says wait, Wait. amen, wait, be patient. That's what it is to be approved. It's to live in a way that you please the heart of God. And I know some people are thinking, Pastor, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've done. There's no way I could ever please God. I want to point you to something that happened 2,000 years ago. The Son of God died on the cross, and he had an agonizing death. His body was broken. His blood was shed. His head was pierced, nails in his hands, his feet, a sword in his side. You know why he did that? Because he loves you and me. And if we'll believe that, and then begin to try, to walk in this new relationship with him and be faithful to him and and just be obedient. Just do what he says. That he not only loves you, he approves of you. And that takes into account whatever you've done in the past or yesterday or even this morning. He loves you and me that much. If you need help, further help, understanding what it is to be faithful, obedient, and approved by God, You've got a whole list of names here in Hebrews chapter 11. Because if you go to verse 39, the next to the last verse, here's what the writer said. All these, all these people in this chapter, all these were approved through their faith. Friends, you can be approved when you're faithful and obedient. Read their stories. Because even though they're all dead, they still speak to us and we can still learn from them. The question now is this. What will those who follow you learn from your life? What will your legacy be as a follower of Jesus? What they see in you, what they hear you say, the stories you share, will it help them learn to be faithful and obedient? Will it show that they're approved by God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time and your word. We thank you, God, that you do love us. And, God, you loved us way before we were worthy of it. In fact, we're not. We're not today. God, you loved us when we were filthy sinners living in the cesspool of our lives. And you love us today. Father, I thank you that you've taken our sin away. It breaks my heart that you put it on Jesus. But he willingly paid my price. And for that, I give you glory and thanks. God, I thank you that we can walk faithfully. We can grow in that. We can learn in that. We can get better and better as the years go by. We can be obedient. We really can. I know sometimes it seems impossible or hard. Help us learn just to take that one step. And then the next and the next. God, thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. May we live lives that show those that will come after us what it means to love Jesus.
0: Amen. Y'all give a hand clap to Pastor Salmon for his willingness to through the leading of the Holy Spirit invite us to process. We are a minute and 35 seconds over our time primarily because I went over in our uh, our welcome. But I do want to share with y'all a rhema that God had given me to encourage you on this journey and, and the you know, Pastor Sam talked about identity. a crucial thing to be mindful of, if y'all jump up on your feet and push out in worship, is that God, for you, wills to communicate information. Okay, understand what I'm saying to you. you. The relationship side of it means that, that there is a two-way street. You're receiving from Him, right? I think most of you don't realize your value before God, his deep, long desire to speak to you so that you know what to do, okay? A son's heart is to know what his father wants him to do. The same with a daughter, to know what the father and mother want them to do. Well, before we made this decision here with Pastor Sam, it's ultimately not even making a decision, just following the call of God. I was praying. I'm going to put this out there. I have been hit, tacked. It's been fun. I enjoyed the journey. I mean, you don't go live on CNN and get deceived about something or be on MSNBC without knowing how to fight some spiritual warfare, okay? So I'm going to put one on, y'all, and y'all going to leave here and you will going to be like, I remember when Pastor Trent, as crazy as he is, said that, and I remember exactly why he said and did what he did because I'm in the middle of a three-on-three street ball situation, okay? Think about street ball and your spiritual warfare. You gotta have three-on-three. Three. If you don't have three mentors pouring into you, listen to what I'm saying. Devil's gonna whip your in. He's gonna beat the Jesus almost out of you. You're gonna look like you have no life in you, but Jesus is not gonna come up out of you. Okay, the Holy Spirit's gonna stay in you. You need some three-on-three three street ball when it comes to spiritual warfare. You gotta have you three mentors. But I'm telling you, you are jamming up the process if you're not pouring in three other people. You are being selfish and operating out of fear, okay? But the truth of it is, your real person inside of you, your spirit being, is not selfish. That's your flesh being. You understand what I'm saying? So the three mentors are going to pour into you and going to say, receive those blessings of the kids, a new job, whatever resources God want to give you, a new vehicle. Okay, tithe with what you've got advance the kingdom with what he gives you okay but you can't know how to do it unless you've got three men or three women they're looking out for your blind spot okay on street ball you know it's happened the worst place you can have anybody get behind get get on you is up behind you right if they can get behind you they can dunk on you if they can get behind you they can pass behind you but you get three mentors and you get three others you're pointing to you're gonna find the call of God for your life I had the chance to go back on TV and represent people. I'm going to do it as God wills. But I was praying about the church, and I was praying about me being an advocate out in the world. Okay? I'm by vocational I am not ashamed of it. I am a lawyer, and I am a lead pastor, and I'm proud to do it. Because I believe everybody has God-given rights that should be advocated for. Well, I was praying, and I saw like that a man that had no tongue. It had been cut out of his out of his mouth. And I said, God, I ain't going on national TV. You put me back on CNN, MSNBC, they're going to tear me up. And God gave me peace and said, boy, I ain't talking about that. Just like Pastor Sam gets spoken to. I'm going to tell you what, well, he sat in his office with my wife. And we had three chairs sitting there. And He told me the story. And God's telling, boy, that's it right there. You got your, you're right there, you see it. Hear, hear what he says, you're going to see it. And God, through the story of Pastor Sam, confirm the word of God that he had given me. When Sam said I went back being willed for that surgery where they're going to cut the cancer out of my tongue not knowing if I'd ever even be able to speak again they might have to take the whole tongue off and I looked back at my wife and with these words I looked at her may have been the last three things I said and I said I love you goes back to surgery. I only had to take a third of his tongue. When he tells me that story, I had just been praying. God, I don't know what to do about the legal side of it. I don't know what to do about the church. But I trust you. Everything you've ever showed me that is clear has never failed. Look at the man who thought he was going to lose his tongue. Look at that tramp prior to even moving here this is the the timeline of God Okay, you can't see it but when you catch those little rhemas and you get in your lane I promise you those moments are the destiny moments that inside of you you are living for listen what I'm saying to you you get plugged into God when that rhema hits and all the work you do to get to that is worth it when it hits. You see what I'm saying? Jesus died 2,000 years ago. Before the foundation of the earth, he agreed to do it. He came knowing that we were going to be sin-sick people because we inherited a virus, but he still came and died for us. He's still speaking. You're worthy to hear from him. That's what I'm trying to convince you of. If I'm anything, I'm an advocate for Jesus. And I'm trying to determine whether you as a jury are going to allow this burden of proof to be met that he wants to speak to you, but you're not listening because you don't understand the heart of God. Anything he tells you is gonna be for your good. Whatever he tells you is ultimately the best thing you could ever do with the gifts and abilities and personality that you have. It's an amazing journey. Discover that identity and learn how to hear from God. We had two choices Northeast Park, Pastor Sam, Organic Merge, to see what that looks like, or this blowing and going, very similar culture. What do we do? Different Rhema, saw the tongue. I'm gonna trust God because I know God is faithful. told Holly about a year and a half ago that I'd had a word where I felt like I was standing on a platform. And again, I'm not trying to be lead anything. I'm trying to walk with Jesus, okay? Y'all don't know how desperately wicked I am in my flesh. But when I hold on to Jesus, righteousness comes through. It's a beautiful, amazing. 18 months ago, I told Holly, see, we got this guy in the church, baby. He's got so much money. It is crazy how much money he's got. He's running a company that's in five states. Unbelievable. We ain't gonna be going to no church building that's already established. Girl, we going up in whatever we want to go in. He got all kind of cash. Got deceived. God tapped me in the midst of, of all this, right? And then I meet Pastor Sam. The revelation was two services, and I could see the older building. Just a real glimpse of it, very, I mean, what brief. When I went to Northeast Park got up there moving stuff around the platform to set up i'm looking at what i had already seen do you understand what i'm saying so if you pray okay god i want to be married send somebody to me okay don't feel like you're insufficient or inadequate and you're seeking of him if you don't just see their face right god may give you peace and lead you to a scripture but ultimately this is the point your life is an offering unto god and when you do that in the name of jesus you create this legacy it, it lives beyond you because you're seeking what does that two service look like in that building that and you know, i was hoping to have a you know, brand new facility. what does it look like to see somebody with a cut a tongue that could have been cut off what does it look like to avoid that person because if i make that decision despite it looking great our people are going to get hurt because i know something's going on that has not yet been exposed That's walking in relationship. And you do that for the duration of your life, and you'll have a legacy that for all of eternity, you can be grateful that you left because you left it for Jesus. He gives you your reward, and you throw it back at him. Don't make that your idol. You're already born again.
2: Such a beautiful, amazing
0: process. So Church of the Coast, here's what I'm inviting you to do with me. Stay all in if you're all in. If you ain't gone all in, and I'm not talking about with me, if you have not gone all in in your relationship, not with Pastor Sam, Dr. Gaber, if you haven't gone all in relationship with Jesus, that's your first start right there. Because you don't even know what I'm talking about. Now, it sounds insane to tell you that you can hear from God. It sounds foolish. But when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when the three-on-three happens, your mentors will speak to you. You'll know God's speaking to you through something. You'll have dream revelation. you the Word, and this will all make sense. With every head bowed every eye closed, every eye closed, I want to pray as we push up and get everybody the opportunity to make a decision for Christ if they've not done them. Very basic, very easy to do. But as I would be convincing a jury to sign off on a jury verdict, there's only really, hey, I'm guilty, or I'm not guilty. I'm guilty of Lord straying and consciously knowing that I did from Your design and purpose. I've never done that, God. Never done that. I'm going to tell you what, you, nobody can check that box except Jesus. If you check that first box today, I want to ask you to consider Christ as your Lord and Savior. Raise your hand if God is leading you to faith that he does care for you, that he does have an identity for you, that he wants you to walk in agreement with him. Slip your hand up if you say, hey, Pastor Trent, I want to be in relationship with Jesus. We slide your hand up if you're going to make that decision? If you've not fully done it, amen. For those of y'all who don't know your identity, I want to pray for you as we push out of here. And again, I'm sorry, we're 11 minutes over. And we're gonna cut this in worship short. I want to pray for y'all as we as we push out of here. God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you've, through the power of your spirit, God, you've given us new life. And give us this teaching through Pastor Sam, God. Thank you that you're so good that you would give even Abel a stigmata to protect him in this fallen world. That's how loving you are. But we thank you that you gave us the ultimate sacrifice through Jesus. And that we have blessings through Him. So as we push out of this our final service here at Medalon Middle School, a public place where we came and lifted up the name of Jesus, where no devil in hell can stop us from doing it. We thank you that you let us come in this place and blessing ground. And I thank you that as every person that leaves here, as Aaron used to bless, through Yeshua's future coming the people of Israel, of the Old Testament. God, we lift up and ask your face to shine upon your people. Be gracious to them, God. Give them peace and knowing and understanding that what Jesus did was wrap all this fallen world up with a bow, offer it to God the Father and say, this is my world. I am King Jesus over the world. Lord, allow that foreordained plan to come to pass in here and allow lives to your people. Draw them, help them understand their identity. Let them never be deceived to think it's about them, but to focus on Christ in every area of their lives. So we bless them, keep them, protect them. We pray this in Jesus' name,
2: amen. There's nothing, oh, there's nothing. Dedication to it after service and um, also prayer if you need it. It's going to be a video to your front. We hope that you experience love and love the experience. Go out and have the best week of your life. We'll see you at the new facility next week. Chains are broken because you have spoken. It is finished on the cross. Now I'm living in your freedom. Jesus, you have set me free. Ladies and gentlemen, please uh, gather up front for the baby dedication this morning. It'll be in about two minutes.
0: Hello. Hey, if y'all have a baby and you can hear us and you're, you're wanting to dedicate and feel welcome to bring him in. We're going to dedicate only baby James today. Honestly, I forgot to send the uh, emails out for this quarter. Baby dedication He's so busy with, the, uh, with transferring in. But this may be weird, but I'm going to ask Pastor Sam to come do this if he you would. Pastor Sam, will you come dedicate baby James? Yep. I know sometimes the stuff just seems like we have no plan, but I assure you, every single thing we're doing, it's been thought through probably a hundred times. So the baby dedication that we're doing today is part of our our, uh, our quarterly events. Every quarter, we have a fifth Sunday, which we don't have growth track, so that's today, fifth Sunday, no, no growth track. So we had three others that were we'll probably dedicated the first of the, uh, the end of the next quarter, but uh, we want to pray over baby James and ask Pastor Sam here to dedicate him. Of course, I know this this little boy pretty well. Hey, what, how are you, son? You doing well, man? A few words, huh? Talk to me about your talk to me about your your identity. You know a lot about who you are in Christ. Okay, so this is the beginning. It's official. It's Sam's going to dedicate him to Jesus, and we'll go from there.
1: like a singer to me let's pray father god thank you again for the beauty of knowing jesus of walking with you and for this precious baby father we do dedicate james to you i know that trent and holly the desire of their heart is to raise this baby to know you to love you to walk as we've said today faithfully obediently to live a life approved by you god may their legacy be these five kids this James here, God, as you bless them to raise him, we ask you to give them wisdom, you give them guidance. Every decision that's made, may it be made in the light of how can James grow to know Jesus and then grow in Jesus. God, I pray that you'll be with this young family. God, just bless them in abundance. And with James, you have a plan for him before he was created, and we claim that in Jesus' name. We ask you to put people around him at this age, at every age, at every stage who will direct him to know you and to love you and to walk in you. Father, there could be no greater blessing than to be part of this this morning. As a church family, we commit ourselves to support Trent and Holly in raising their children, praying for them, lifting them to you, supporting them in any way that we can. And we commit to be guardians, aunts, uncles, grandparents, friends to James to help him grow to help him develop and then one day to accept Christ and begin his path of maturing in this faith. God bless us all today in Jesus' name. Amen. hey. I got
2: <laughs>
1: Thank you, Holly.